Uh, we're so offbeat. We're back. We're back. And oh, sorry. If you couldn't, <laughs> sorry for that interruption. <laughs> the producer is trying to. He's trying to sneak out. out. <laughs> he hit my chair. Um. Thank you guys for joining us. My name is Brittany. My name is Shannon. And you're listening to the Sutherland Girls podcast. Now we probably sound different. I hope we sound different. I hope they can hear us. Because I, the oh. last twelve episodes, people can have you said, imagine? I can't hear you. Can you imagine re- recording this whole episode and editing it, and then it uploads? <laughs> you can't yeah. hear it. <laughs> well, we'll find that won't out. happen. Anyways, um, so I wanted to mention a few things before we get started on catching up. One is the beginning of episode 12. Yeah, yeah, last episode. Yes. Um, I introduced myself as Brittany. You do that sometimes. It's like lazy. And then, yeah, lazy. Um, but then you said um, Brittany like a couple times. So just to clarify, my name is Brittany. It's not Brittany. But she went through this whole phase where she hated having to explain her name, so she just went with Brittany. Yeah, and, like, even family members would say Brittany. And I'm like, wait, what? When has it been Brittany? And everyone's like, uh, the whole time. (laughs) My favorite, favorite moment that I wish I was old enough to remember is when someone called me Brittany and Aunt Tasha said, it's Brittany. Remember that? Oh, my gosh. So funny. I mean, I don't remember that, but I remember You remember hearing the story? Yeah. Okay, and the second thing is, I know you're not anticipating what I'm about to say. Um, I called you the other day, mm-hmm. and I said something really mean to you, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. Oh, it's been such an emotional day for me. Oh, really? Yeah, it's been a really hard day. I um, had a really bad week, and I took it out on you, and it feels really bad, even after I said those words. What were the words? The words were, um, Mom, please stop and listen because you're making me not want to talk to you ever again. Like, I think you said, I'm never going to talk talk to you you ever again. And you know what I wanted to say in that moment? You know what my first reaction was? What? Okay, bye. (laughs) But I don't react. That's something I pride myself on. I mean, yeah, you yeah. obviously have seen me go off. It, 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 it like builds and builds and builds. And mm-hmm. it usually happens, I mean, the few times in my life, I don't want to say few, maybe dozens, whatever, times it's happened in my life, it's happened against other parents. I totally know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> Florida. I don't. Florida, Palm Springs. Um, I'm not proud. I'm not proud of it. But when you come at my children, something happens. I don't know what it is. Comes out. But, and I have, I want to say maybe three times. Does that sound accurate? I don't know what you're about to say. (laughs) That I have gone off on another parent. Yeah. In a crowd, at an event. And they just stare at me with these big eyes. Just like. Staring at me while you. I am, I don't want to even say screaming, mm-hmm. just giving it to them. 
Because I don't think I'm screaming, but I'm giving it to them. And it's nonstop until I'm finished. And the way they stare at me makes me even madder. Because they're, I'm like, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I know I'm a very sweet person and this is very shocking to some people. <laughs> She's scary. But when you push me to the edge, it's like a release, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think they're looking at me with those big eyes because they cannot believe this pushover of a person is mm-hmm. talking back. Finally standing up for yourself or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. I have more of those moments that I don't. Yeah. They're like complete opposites though. I usually let us slide when it's against me. When it's against a friend or my children, then I go off. Where are the reported segment into the top of five? Okay, let's um, remind them again. Oh, yeah. So this episode that you're listening to, the title is January Book Club, and the book that we're reading, which if you didn't listen to part one, go back and listen after this episode, um, since this is part two out of three parts. Um, It's called 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do by Amy Moyer. And we've been posting it on our story. We just got our Amazon affiliate codes and everything. So we would love it for you guys to shop anything on our website or anything that we post on our stories with that link. Like, try not to go off the link because then it won't count. That sounds like a bell. (laughs) Just hit my hand against a glass. Ding! Um, yeah, so use the code um, because the code counts towards supporting the podcast. Um, and again, we just bought new everything. We just equipment. bought new equipment that needs to be paid off. So we need to pay for it. <laughs> so thank you very much for shopping our store um, and using that link. There is no code because it's Amazon, um, but using that link is very important. So, this week, just to, like, recap really quickly, the last episode, I was so positive and loving life and everything, and then I feel like this week I've been negative and super sensitive. Um, You're not remembering your tools. Yeah. It, but this but is life. You this know is what? how I it works. I think it's hormones. I don't want to blame it on hormones, but I think it's hormones, and because Last week, I'd be like, okay, I feel better. This week, I'm like, my blood just keeps boiling and boiling. But that happens in life. You just have to keep using your tools. Yeah. When we get to chapter eight, it's going to make things a lot better. Okay, so I read a couple reviews on Amazon, which don't do this. But everyone hates the book because it's repetitive. But it's It is, but that's the way you remember. Well, that's how you're going to learn and carry it with you. Okay, we've learned these steps. Now we need to learn how to remember them. Right. And that's how you... It's just like in school. Yeah. So, um, basically, what happened was something happened with certain people, and I finally was just like, okay, I don't like to be picked on. Not at all. We can be sarcastic back and forth, 
but if you keep bringing up that one thing, I start to think, oh, you think that you're you're jealous that I have this one thing because why do you keep bringing it up? Or like whatever I did was out of line and I'm entitled, which I don't want to even say what happened and what it that object was talked about in a joking way. But remember your tools, what you learned. Mm-hmm. It's more about them than it is about you. Yes. So I kept my composure even though I literally felt like I was boiling and I felt red. Like not embarrassed red, but like mad red. Mm-hmm. So I just, okay, this is what I did, which it actually helped a little bit, but my blood wouldn't cool down. But my mind was starting to like not go in a hundred different directions. So I closed my eyes, I was stroking my eyebrow, counting to 20, and then I continued to stroke it and counted down from 20. And I was taking breaths in between each count. So if anyone needs any type of technique, that worked for me even when I was still so angry. Good. Good. (laughs) Um, But before we start, I did write something down that I was thinking about in the car on the way home. Um, this person keeps sucking me in, thinking we're friends, and then joking, and it's not joking at this point, because it's been brought up at least 20 times in the last month, so I don't think they like me, um, but I said, I wrote this down on the way home, I said, um, at what point do you stop engaging and stand up for yourself? Well, that really does depend on the situation. There are some situations um, that you really can't. You're getting red just talking about this one thing. Oh, well, it was hot in here. I was sweating a little bit. Got you red. Let's not give them the power. Okay. Again? A breathing coach if you're here. if you're laughing during the second one, you're good. <laughs> no, because I know it's so ridiculous. You're giving the power away. I know. It's me. I am the sensei. I'm gonna talk about chapter five. So this episode is about chapter five, six, seven, and eight, um, and then the rest of the book will be for part three. So once you finish this episode, you better start reading because it's one more chapter than it's been for the last two episodes. Read fast or download the Audible. We also posted that. Yep. Well. But hey, if you're engaging. This will help them. Alright, so chapter five is don't worry about pleasing everyone. Why are you looking at me? (laughs) So, um, I just have to start with saying my mother, you, Mm -hmm. and my husband are people pleasers mm-hmm. you guys are also both cancers so I think it's a cancer thing <laughs> no because I know cancers that are the opposite of me oh. sorry big cough <laughs> okay so one of the stories in this chapter and it wasn't even a story it was like a little sentence where it kind of like reminded me of when I first started learning to drive and it's funny because you told me this, but she mentions um, one of the things that you'll find as a people pleaser is 
trying to get out of the way for those in a hurry when you're driving. Which, I don't know, that's so random, but I remember you saying, don't worry about the person behind you if they're acting crazy. Let them go around. Let them go around and stay calm. Yeah. Or once you're able to get out of the lane, get out so and let them pass. Yes, because if you're on the freeway and you're in the fast lane, mm-hmm. do not sit in the fast lane. Well, we're getting off topic. <laughs> but that's one of the things I, I realized when I was growing up was, why am I pleasing this person that I don't know? And I feel like your people-pleasing got worse as I got older or I just noticed it more. Maybe. But I've, I'm i more like, um, that person can act crazy and do whatever. You're not affecting me type. Well, it might just depend on the situation. But I don't like overanalyze worrying about if if I do this one thing, then they'll be happy. And I feel like you did that a lot as a, like, coddling me as a child. Do you, do you not remember? I'm listening. Oh, okay. Um, you think I coddled, protected you too much? No, like, I think, I mean, there weren't a lot of times where I had to learn the hard way. But I do remember, like, if I forgot something, you would go and get it. Like, you were... That's called a helicopter parent. It, it, it was your, it's, that's your generation. <laughs> oh, okay. So when you called me from school and said you forgot something, I should have let you suffer. Well, it. I, 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 I should was have. punishing myself. I should have. For forgetting. Mm-hmm. So it usually didn't happen a lot, like other kids. But I feel like one of my teachers, or maybe one of the siblings' teachers, said they need to learn the hard way. You can't keep bringing them things and they, they forget it. I I was told that when you guys, I think high school, I was told that you're not going to always be there. You need to let them fall. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, I called so bitchy at the same time. It, I, and you know what? I think some of that is, some of that is guilt and that'll come out in a few chapters. Um, guilt of not having that white picket fence. Even though, if you look back through your home movies and videos, as I did this week of me, it, you had more of the white picket fence than you remember. But go on. Without the actual that was a white picket fence. Well, that's a, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Liz saying. Um, I'm just going based off my notes and what I remember. I don't want to, like, read the whole book. Yeah. All right. So I'm just going to... If you don't even know if you're a people pleaser, which, I mean, I marked, there's like a lot of on the checklist, but I marked seven things. Oh my gosh, we're already, oh, that's with everything else, gotcha. So I marked like seven out of like 20, maybe more. Um, So this is a checklist for you to know if you're, these are signs if you are a people pleaser. You feel responsible for how other people feel. The thought of anyone being mad at you causes you to feel uncomfortable. You tend to be a, in quotes, pushover. You find it easier to agree with people rather than express a contrary opinion. Yes, why are you looking at me? Sorry. (laughs) 
You often apologize even when you don't think you did anything wrong. I will side note say that a few, it might have been a month ago now, you told me, stop saying sorry for things you have no control over. Yeah, well, there's a book, which I don't think we'll have in our book club, but it's called Girl Stop Apologizing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so good. Like, you don't recognize how often you say it involuntary. So, like, if someone has done you wrong and then they apologize, don't say, it's okay. Just say, I accept your apology. And I had to learn that. I will say, since you've told me that, I have been practicing it. Mm -hmm. And some of the certain people in my life that I see every day or talk to every day have been kind of like, is everything okay? Because they'll apologize or something and I just go hmm. like I don't say anything back and usually I'm like it's okay and I don't but it's not and I haven't been saying sorry for things and I, I think they're picking up on it like they're like um you seem different <laughs> you seem different like blink and ask officer you seem different <laughs> all right going back to it um you go to great lengths to avoid conflict mm-hmm you don't usually tell people when you're feeling offended or your feelings are hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although you do give a look, like. <laughs> I also wear my emotions on my sleeve, so you know immediately when you've hurt me. Yeah. Not you, but yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you tend to say yes when people ask you for favors, even if you really don't want to do something. I'm looking at her in the corner of my eye. <laughs> You change your behavior based on what you think other people want. I don't do that one. <laughs> you put a lot of energy into trying to impress people. I don't think you do that. I don't try to impress people. No. Um, I don't worry about what people think of me either. I used to. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I act myself. Mm -hmm. But I see what you're saying, like the whole, hi. Yeah. That one really annoys me. I hope it's cats and Someone, dogs you were just it. ranting about one thing, and then someone yeah. walks in and you're like, hi! And they're like, who are you? A good Baptist Christian girl. <laughs> um, you put a lot of energy into trying to Oh, I already know. <laughs> if you hosted a party and people didn't seem to be enjoying themselves, you'll feel responsible. See, I feel like that one's you. Yeah, well, I highlighted it. Oh, okay. I, I also highlighted that I put a lot of energy into trying to impress people, mm -hmm. but I only highlight, highlighted that because I like to look presentable. I, that's a thing. But I don't, it's not to impress anyone, it's, that's it what makes brings me you joy. feel better when mm -hmm. I know I look good. Yeah. And I don't care if that sounds terrible, because <laughs> that's me. <laughs> okay. Um, you seek praise and approval from people in your life often. Don't lie. I uh, words of affirmation is one of my love languages. Oh, mine too. Mm -hmm. When someone around you is upset, you take responsibility for trying to make him or her feel better. Okay, that's ding ding underline highlight. Yeah. Circle, highlight the entire page. <laughs> You would never want anyone to think you are selfish, which I highlighted that also. 
I don't know if it's I wouldn't want anybody to come to me. Well, I guess that is true. I, I feel selfish when I don't. But at the same time, I'm kind of selfish. And then the last one is you often feel overscheduled and overburdened by all the things you have to do. And I highlighted, underlined, and and circled. Yeah. Because that's why we sometimes spend a day in bed. Yeah. Yeah. Don't call us, don't text us, don't think about us, don't smell us, don't, don't anything. Mm -hmm. I got that from Kathy Page. Now you're thinking of Paige and laughing. Yeah, because she's like the funniest person I've ever met. Okay, so it there's a topic called uh, learned behavior. So you like develop people pleasing based on behaviors that you develop. I feel like this is all about you. I feel bad. But this is something that, like, I remember you talking about when you were talking about your childhood. I think this was in your sobriety episode. And um, I found it in me. And then Bitcoin Florence. And then, so, as a child, if you're trying to make both parties, especially parents, um, neutral trying to calm the situation and control the situation you most likely will become a people pleaser because you're trying to please those two people that are super close to you Mm -hmm. so you kind of develop that behavior super early on um so what i put was that we should well i don't know about we but i kind of want to do this um we should communicate with kids that a husband and wife who bicker is okay and just the way some couples communicate. It's not something that is fixed by them. It's normal, I would say. Mm. Like trying to make it, we're not fighting type thing. It's just bickering, like we're just communicating loudly. Well, this is what I'll say. I think that, and I think I read this in a, a children's development book, and it kind of resident, re, resident, <laughs> resonated with me. <laughs> oh man, I feel so old. <laughs> okay, so I read this a long, long time ago, and I think that it, it is healthy for children to see you have disagreements mm-hmm. or bickering, as you call it. Yeah. But I think a more important part, and I failed in this also, is that children observe then makeup or the the resolution, you know, how you come to an end to that disagreement because that's where they won't understand. Oh. Where my parents bickered all the time and then end up getting divorced. I never saw like and they probably never did. Like resolved the issue. Yeah. You know, talk it out. I don't know. I think that might help. Okay, so the next part And it's literally, like, the next paragraph from... Okay, so it says in the book... I didn't want to read from the book, but she just says it so well. Children of alcoholics often grow up to be people-pleasers because that was the best way to deal with a parent's unpredictable behavior. Doing good deeds was the only way to get any attention. I don't agree with this. Why? Because I didn't do that 
I think there there was definitely high expectations from you growing up, but I never felt that I needed to like tiptoe around and make sure that you're happy. I was already happy. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought that was interesting because there are a lot of people that listen and and either are in recovery or know people in recovery. And so I just wanted to point that out as... I think that also comes from an alcoholic parent that is coming home from work and drinking a Mm 12-pack or a bottle of wine, whatever it is, um, and being abusive. It can be verbally or physically. Yeah. Um, I think that that's what that type of alcoholic parent. You had a party alcoholic parent that you know Friday Saturday, <laughs> Sunday was football. One of the problems with people pleasing is your assumptions aren't always true. So I wrote down in my notes. Um, well, let me read from the book. So there in quotations attempts to be nice are actually causing more of a nuance to each other but neither one has the courage to actually speak up and say what she really wants so there's a story about two friends and how neither one of them want to carve out time in their schedule to go shopping but they do it for each other because they one of them asked and so they didn't want to feel bad for declining and the other person had already been like, with this person a week ago, and that person treated them, so they wanted to treat them Okay, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, it's a friend that has uh, been invited to go do something with yes. somebody, but doesn't want to do it. Yes. It's like, so, when you're a people pleaser or an extrovert, things like that, I mean, an introvert, I'm sorry, you get maxed out on your time with people. And it's not a terrible thing, it just means at that point, it's the same thing that we do. Yeah. We get burned out, and we need to isolate. Yeah. And so we might stay in bed all day long. So this friend has said yes to something because of guilt Mm -hmm. to please the other person instead of staying true to her heart and what she wants to do. Yeah, so she put in quotation, attempts to be nice. Mm -hmm. But actually, the attempt to be nice is actually forced and not genuine. Which is not nice. Then you guys, when you're together, it's awkward. And you're not having a good time. And I'm sure the other person can feel that. Yeah. Um, And it's probably awkward. Um, But, like, you feel obligated to, you know, spend time with that person or give that person attention. And, you know, it's so funny that I'm a people pleaser and I will say yes. I've gotten... You say yes a lot. But I've gotten much better about it. Mm -hmm. You know, when I don't feel good or I need to do something for my family or things like that. I'm getting much better about saying no. For me, if you really don't want to do something with me, I would rather you said no. I mean, be I, I would rather that people were honest with me, but I'm not honest with them. Yeah. Does so that make sense? My note was, if you're not honest in a relationship, you're literally creating a gap. So if you just said, sorry, girl, I'm so tired, this, this, and this, that's fine. But just know if you keep giving excuses to someone that are like that, they most likely won't invite you. So give it that like one or two times or invite them the next time when you are okay. And we all need to be less sensitive when someone doesn't want to hang out with us. I think there's a, a, a softer 
honest way to it's very difficult for a page people pleaser because you mm. don't want to let people down yeah but you like as a people pleaser you need to think you're actually making it worse i am like the I relationship am. is going to become strained because you want the relationship to be open and honest and it's funny because the people pleaser wants that so badly mm. but they don't give it to other people yeah and it does come off when you guys do not you but like people when people who are people pleasers and like are just saying yes and yes and yes over and over again you guys do snap at some point and that's way worse than just being honest but i agree or um you like rush through the event whatever yeah. it is yeah okay so i'm gonna turn because i have a story for this so it's page 95 um, and I'm going to read the quote from the book. Um, most spiritual... Okay, so in the Bible, it teaches us, treat your neighbor as yourself. Ooh, I love this quote. Okay. Say that again. Treat your neighbors as yourself. Most spiritual guidance encourages us to be bold enough to live according to our values, even when doing so displeases some people. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time why religion isn't accepted as much now is because it's forced down people's throats and it's a more judgy way whereas our values are different and not exactly to the book and you should not it says it says in the bible treat your neighbor as yourself mm -hmm. not better than yourself yeah or yeah not held to a higher standard that right. is on your side of the street i just want to share a story especially with people who are dating, like newly dating, I recognized myself doing a lot of people-pleasing at the beginning of mine and Woody's relationship, especially with family members. Um, and I was trying so hard to be this person that I thought they wanted me to be just because they, Woody's my only son, my only boy. Um, so they had a, like very high standards for the person that they saw him to be with in the end. Um, so, I mean, there's like little comments here, little comments there, and they might not have meant it the way I interpreted it, but I thought I had to be like this perfect girl, like only speak when spoken to and look sweet and innocent and be extremely respectful and dress a certain way and it honestly like when you read this chapter there's a breaking point for people pleasers and you listen to the story of this woman um but I finally had my breaking point and I think it was like year three and I was like I'm done I have tried so hard to be this one person which I put on myself but I'm just now gonna be myself either be quiet when I know they're not going to like what I say out of respect for them. But also, if something's funny or I want to tell a story, I should be able to comfortably tell that story without judgment. And if there is judgment, I need to then be ready for there to be issues and just know that it's not me and it's probably them. So that was like really hard, but you know, three years later, it's exhausting. <laughs> but yeah, I there was a point 
after that three years, I was like, I literally said to them, I was like, this is who I am, take it or leave it. Like, I'm tired of trying to become this one person. I can't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. That is pretty comforting. Why? Because you're perfect. Oh, okay. Well, let's not go that far. I'm not perfect. Oh, boy. I am definitely not perfect. Is there a chicken sandwich? Oh, we haven't got there yet. I have some more notes, but I don't think they're that important. Um, it just goes into like college and stuff. But I'm definitely, I definitely want to do an episode about my college years and what I learned. So there's some helpful tips if you are a people pleaser. Um, there's identifying your values and behaving according to them. So this is if you are a people pleaser, you need to figure out who you are, who you want to be, and what you stand for, and then. You have to remind yourself of those values and beliefs and just start your life brand new, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Being aware of your emotions before deciding whether to say yes to someone's request. I feel like with people pleasing, you automatically just say yes without even thinking of what you're being asked. So um, years ago, when I really, really struggled with that, I would let calls go to my voicemail. That way they can put the request on my voicemail. And then I had a minute to think about it. That's a good yeah. way of like starting slow before saying no, because I know it's super hard for you guys. I kind of need to know the question ahead of time. Yeah. Let me think about it, and then I'll answer you. Instead, you should just say, let me think about it and get back to you. Yeah. like Or let me check my calendar and get back to there you. There are or... people out there that take, so you have to recognize the takers that are around you. Mm-hmm. And you also need to recognize, like, when I was starting to get out of this phase, um, I recognized questions that people would ask. Like, hey, can you do me a favor? Without saying what the favor is, you always say, well, what do you need? Not, like, oh, sure, what What is it? What are you doing? You've already agreed to it. (laughs) I'm not telling you what I'm doing until you tell me why. Yeah, (laughs) basically. So recognize the takers and recognize that their questions are actually a yes or no instead of being ex- like explaining in detail what mm-hmm. that favor is. So that's one thing I learned, which I did not get from the book. That's honestly what I recognized in life mm-hmm. because I would always be like, oh my gosh, I just said yes, but now I have to do this one thing. I would have never said yes to this one thing. Right. I think, yeah. So I recognize that for yeah. myself. Saying no when you don't want to do something. So, no is not a bad word. Okay, so. Even though you tell children no and then they repeat it for right. like. You're not supposed to do that either. You're supposed to come up with a more creative way. Yeah. Uh, so, that's huge because my aunt, my Aunt Liz, told me she was kind of my, my voice of reason all through life. <laughs> she could walk in her room and know I was struggling and come over and whisper, some, whisper something in my ear. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, But she told me years ago, Shannon, no is a complete sentence. Love that. That's it. You do not need to explain yourself. She didn't say that. She just said, Shannon, no is a complete sentence. And she knows all the guilt I've had. (laughs) Mic drop. No, I was going to say. Mic drop. No. Mic drop by... And it is. 
Okay, practicing tolerating uncomfortable emotions associated with conflict and confrontation. I hate confrontation, Same and me. I try to dodge it as much as possible. So do I. But I'm also confrontational sometimes. But I think also growing up, there was so much, and this is toward, towards the end when I was, you know, older, not as a young child. This is when I was probably junior high that um, the bickering of my parents is why conflict makes me very nervous, very, and that must be the being part of it, that I don't want people to fight, I get uncomfortable. See, me and Jody bicker, you get, I can see your whole entire, like, mannerisms change, you're like, yeah, let's take them back. Yeah, I, I think I've told you that too before, yeah, like, it, it makes me very... very uncomfortable and you're like we're not fighting we're just talking we're actually being funny yeah but and I'm like, no one understands our joking I, I'm way more comfortable with it now than I was you know being in your San Diego apartment and, and hearing it yeah and then the last one is behaving assertively even when speaking up may not be well received that's person. a big step good luck <laughs> no yeah I think after you practice the other ones well, it's that will come being confrontational and you don't have to always be that way. Just because you've been a people pleaser your whole life doesn't mean you have to turn into a, you know, that person. Chapter six is don't fear taking calculated risks, which I love because I feel like I have been so held back in my early 20s by fear that I never took chances just because I was like not thinking through which it goes into we use our emotions on fear rather than our logic and we need to learn to like focus on the facts like is it really it's not really scary it's just it's a higher risk so there the risks might must be high but there's an opportunity that you might be missing when you read the checklist you struggle to make important decisions in your life you spend a lot of time daydreaming about what you'd like to do, but you don't take any action. Sometimes you impulsively make a decision because thinking about the decision is just too anxiety-provoking. Interesting. Oh my gosh, I completed the whole list of chapter two already. Um, you often think you could be doing a lot more adventurous and exciting things in life, but your fear holds you back. When you think about taking a risk, you usually only imagine the worst case scenario and choose not to take the chance. You sometimes allow other people to make decisions for you so you don't have to make them. You avoid risking in at least some areas of your life, social, financial, or physical, because you're afraid. You base decisions on your level of fear. If you're a little afraid, you might do something. But if you feel really afraid, you decide taking the risk is unwise. You think that outcomes are largely dependent on luck. Which I highlighted. Mm. I think that just, for me, I think some of these things that I highlighted, it's not fear, which I've recognized reading this. It's not that it's scary. It's that I don't feel confident in myself to do certain things. Right. And you have always said this, like, family members have always said, like, 
You're so talented. Like, you pick things up really quickly. You learn super quickly. Um, you can do anything. Like, if you try it once, you've got it down, which is not true for everything, but for very specific things that are kind of weird. Like, for example, during quarantine, I learned how to do nails. Okay, so... I'm sorry for not I got off. I got sidetracked. You do. It, it is a confidence thing, and we all know confidence is a muscle, and mm -hmm. we must work it to build it. I don't know that you see it, maybe because your love language is words of affirmation, that everything you have tried, you have succeeded in. Eyelashes. Nails. I'm not the best at them, but I can do them. Yeah, but I'm like you, do you not realize that other people cannot? I know. But I'm very detail-oriented, so I think that comes with, like... And I, I think that you have... My friend Barb has the same thing. Mm -hmm. Barbalicious. Mm -hmm. She is creative and mathematical, which is yeah. oxy. Because it's two different sides of the brain. Mm -hmm. And you are the same way. You're very creative and very math-oriented in your thinking. And we're both sexy. And you're really sexy and fun and, and bougie. And bougie. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that is why. It's a confidence thing. But, I mean, at least I recognize it's not actually weird. Like, it's not like... I think that I everybody has... It's like stage fright. We talked about yeah. that before. It's like you see these stars up there and singers, and they're just as nervous when they put that first foot out there. It's just that the audience gives them that feedback, and it's gone. Which is a story. Okay. So. Oh, okay. So. So I'll go into that. Go ahead. Okay. They're like high risks, but I think they're just driven by fear. So I wrote down some for myself, people in real life, and then you guys listening to the pod. It's because I have a learning disability. Well, not a learning disability. A, it's a visual thing. Yeah. So it's not dyslexia. <clears throat> it's the thing. No, because you were tested for that. It's the way. So it kind of like. You just have to really focus. Yeah, like line by line, word by word, mm -hmm. which kind of sucks. It, it was explained things. by the doctors to me when you were in second grade. The doctors explained it as um, ADHD through reading. Yeah. Um, so that's always been like a huge uncomfort for me, knowing that eventually in life I have to read in front of people. And so like my insecurity has turned to a fear and... Like I said in the last episode about public speaking, I felt like I was never going to be able to run a meeting in my career. And so I just like, it's definitely something that you just have to like literally jump out of your comfort zone. It's not going to happen on its own. You have to just agree. Kind of like acting like a people pleaser. Once you say yes, you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how Make you get out of your comfort it. zone. Um, another one I wrote down is... It's a high risk, and I, I learned this early on when I graduated FITM with my fashion degree before I got my business degree. I always wanted my own fashion line, but then as soon as I finished it and I took all those, like, you have to make spreadsheets and buy a, at a certain budget and make sure you're on budget, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so stressful, just, like, making up fake numbers in class, having to do this in real life. I would fail. I would be bankrupt and I would never have a future. So that was like such a high risk for me was starting my own business and not being able to be 
successful, but also at the same time feeling like if I ever worked for myself, I would never have a life, no time for anyone, and I wouldn't have the energy. But I'm starting to learn that I don't have a life or energy working for, for someone, someone else. else. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well work for myself. It's just because you put so much in it. Yeah. Um, another risk that I put was, and this is like very general for a lot of people, is buying a house or making a big purchase like a car. Um, one of the fears of mine is having that chunk of money for an, an emergency and then buying one of these big purchases and then being like, oh no, I wish I didn't spend that because now I need it because it's an emergency. But I'm overthinking my fear of something that hasn't happened and is not even like in the forecast. And so I feel like a lot of people think that way too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another fear that I know a lot of people have are marrying the wrong person and getting a divorce or having kids with the wrong person. And I think those are heavily, like, you're almost holding yourself back from living. It's like um, someone that wants to get married and have children, but their list Mm -hmm. for their mate is so high, and the years are passing them by. I'm not saying that you should drop your standards, because what do I always say? Love that person with that too. Yeah, but don't settle just because you want to get married and have kids, or don't change your values Mm -hmm. but you know you need a pro and con list which we are I always say that um, when you find someone or when you meet someone it's somebody said it to me and I don't even remember it's like 10 things you can't live without and 10 things you can't live with Mm. but we're gonna go into a little this is literally gonna be like maybe five minutes um, because it's a long chapter, but I feel like it doesn't need to be explained in detail. So um, she writes, emotions prevail over logic. So um, we often think what could be, but we focus. So we think what could be, mm-hmm. but we focus on what if. Mm. Because what if is a statement of feeling. But what rather if it's than good? Fact. What if it ends great? What if it ends terribly but so it says but risks don't have to be reckless so we so you can be conservative on your risk so basically to sum up this chapter very quickly make a pros and cons list and this is the easiest way not focusing on which side is heavier once you make the pros and cons list like don't think about just write everything down then cross out everything that has to do with a fear of feeling. Mm-hmm. Sadness, depression, um, scared. Mm-hmm. Because those aren't logical thoughts. You have to take the facts and then decide. So I'm going to read, this is the end of every chapter, what's helpful. Um, being aware of emotional reactions to risk-taking. Identifying types of risk that are particularly challenging. Recognizing irrational thoughts that influence your decision-making. Educating yourself about the facts, which is huge. If you don't know, if you're not for sure on taking the risk or not, just do some research. Usually if you do research and you can find some facts, you'll know if you are actually capable of doing that one risk or not. Spending time calculating each risk before making a decision. 
don't make rash decisions. Really put some thought through it and make sure it's not heavily driven by emotion. And then the last one is practicing taking risks and monitoring the results so you can learn from each risk you take. You've always told me, learn from your mistakes or just learn in general. Learn from it and move on. Well, I think like um, instead of punishing you, it was like, what can we learn from this? Which is such a good way of teaching a kid instead of just saying, go and time out. It's better to just be like, what did you do wrong? Are you going to do it again? What can we do next time? Because wisdom is dumb. Yeah. You can't go back. You can't go forward. Right. Okay. Which seven and eight leads on to chapter seven. So don't dwell on the past. (gasps) It's done. It's done. I've been working on it. Okay. Stuck in history. Sometimes people dwell on the things that happened years ago while others dwell on what happened last week. You wish you could press the rewind button so you can redo portions of your life. You struggle with major regrets about your past. You spend a lot of time wondering how life would have turned out if only you had chosen a slightly different path. You're shaking your head. You don't have an answer for that. Well, I mean, sometimes, so, well, I have, they're very mild, though. Okay. You sometimes feel like the best days of your life are over already. Oh, that's so sad. I know, I wish that in red. You replay past memories in your mind like a scene from a movie over and over again. Oh my gosh, I do that, but only because they're so happy that I, I want to relive it. And close I my do eyes. that too. You sometimes imagine saying or doing something differently than past memories and try to create a different outcome. Oh my gosh, that is me 100%. Really? I didn't know that about you. Are you being sarcastic? No, I, I'm serious. Oh. I, I didn't know that. Usually about you. when someone's confrontational to, confrontational to me, and it, well, because I'm not used to people being confrontational because I'm not. Okay, so I do when, see what you're saying there. Yeah. So when they are, it's like shocking, and then I'm like, dang it, I should have said this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see yeah. what you're saying. You punish yourself or convince yourself you don't deserve to be happy. You feel ashamed of your past. You make a mistake or an experience, an embarrassing episode. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> you keep repeatedly replaying the event in your mind. Me. It's the guy that took all my money too. <laughs> I went to pick up my cable. You invest a lot of time in thinking about all the things you should have or could have done differently. Now, this one is not as deep for me. I mean, of course I learned from it, I always learn from these, and I, and I think there's a little bit of each chapter in us, and everybody, but my thing is, I'll think about something I did in the past, a mistake, or something. But, like, how far in the past? Like, when I was in my 20s. Oh, okay. And I think it could have been so much different if I... No. Wouldn't have me. I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> you don't have to stay stuck in the past. You can choose to start living in the moment. I really need to learn that. Well, I used to be really bad when Lori and I started dating because I'd be like, okay, next, next, next. And you're like, you're literally missing the moments you're in missing. front of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like being on, okay, let's play this. Okay, let's do that. Okay, we need to do this. Okay. Rushing, rushing, rushing. Um, hoping, hoping, hoping for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Yeah. You, Never you being satisfied with the moment. It's funny because my cousin asked me when we were little girl, she asked me what was my favorite stage 
Hilton. Yeah. And she, at the time, one of her children was in the pie for her. And she said, this is my favorite cake because she had three kids. And I thought about it and I thought about it all through your kids, all three of you. Like every phase was my favorite. I found something about every I think age. The teenager years when you are infertile and not you guys were looks. not that bad. You mean mm. looks or personality? Personality. Yeah. Like we were very ugly, selfish teenagers, which I know is normal. But it's normal. For me, I was when you think back. Yes. I know. It's terrible. I was terrible too. I mean, I don't think I was as bad as you because I've heard stories from Grandma and I'm like, <gasps> she exaggerates. I know. Don't listen to her. I did call <laughs> my dad. Stop listening, Grandma. I did call my dad, my daddy, several times, and I would. He would be like, "What's going on?" And I would like explain whatever's going on with you or your sister, you know. And then I would, as I'm, as I'm telling him the story, I would think this is so hypocritical of me, and I would say. Daddy, I'm so sorry. And he would laugh and laugh, and then he would say, you weren't that bad. And I'm like, you're just saying that. He goes, I know I'm not bad. And the thing is, you forget. You okay. do forget. If you don't dwell on the past, you will forget the bad things. Like, Yeah. That's very true, because you you texted me or called me after we recorded the blended family mm-hmm. for the Prince of Peter. Mm-hmm. And you said... But there were so many good times, too, that you don't remember. So I feel like when you do talk about that side of my family tree, we need to talk positively so that we do remember those positive points. So lingering guilt and shame. Lingering. Lingering guilt, shame, and anger are just a few feelings that can keep you stuck in the past. The fear of moving forward can keep us stuck in the past. It's kind of like I that. I love my life right now, and I hope I don't feel in the future that I, or like regret that, man, I wish I enjoyed it more than I was enjoying I think you're going to do that no matter what. I think that's life. That's part of life. But I'm, I, I'm enjoying it to the fullest now, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, oh, it goes downhill once you start having kids, which mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, everything's fun. I don't think there is any downhill. I mean, I'm 50, 40 was great. 50 was great. Yeah. So you're a like, very positive person. I wasn't always like that. I mean, I think I, I, think, I, think you I take work that back. out a lot. I think I was so- always positive, but I had more self-doubt in myself in the past. Oh, so I wanted to talk about um, one of the stories in the book is about her story. That her dead mother's items after a house fire were handled by complete strangers. She wanted things to stay the same way that her mother had left them, the way she had put things away, so that down the road she could look and see how her mother had left it. So her jewelry, her clothes, things like that. She wanted to open the jewelry box and see that her mom had put that ring in, you know, whatever. And I felt the same way. And I know losing my father was, um, I mean, we had to do, the way my father got sick, so we had to go through his things early, you know, before he passed. But, but also I put he everything was fading fast in front of you. It yeah. wasn't like 
he got sick, and then, like, he stopped, there's communication had stopped, but it was more like you were slowly losing him in front of you, and you didn't know how to communicate, but you still could, but you didn't know what he remembered or how he was going to act. Like, towards the end, it was more, like, child state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what she wanted was she wanted everything to stay exactly the same, to wait for when she was ready to go through it. Mm-hmm. And I did that with as much as I could because I have three brothers. But I was there the final day of the house, boxing up the last set of things, emptying the storage unit, all of that. So everything sat in my office at my house. And then during pandemic, we had cleaned out those rooms and everything went to storage. And I just went to storage and closed storage and brought everything home. And I've been doing about four, five boxes a day. And now I can go through things three years later and give them away. And, And it's happy memories. I've cried a lot, but... It has it has been like a movie, and a lot of the stuff has been yeah. like a movie in my head. Aww. Yeah, and so I've had friends that have lost parents too, and it's the same thing. You just want to box everything up the way it is, so that you can go back and do it on your time. And I think that's a little bit different than dwelling on the past. I mean, I I I've seen stories about people that keep the room the same. Yeah, that's and it's a little. I don't want to say creepy, but I think You're you can't move like on if you do that. Holiday gone type thoughts. Yeah, I mean everybody needs to grieve at their own level, but I just my heart broke for her that somebody had come in and touched all of her mom's stuff and put it like that would be heartbreaking for me, and it kind of reminds me of when I I don't want when you moved out when you moved to San Diego, your room was a certain way, yeah. and you didn't take everything. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't. You couldn't take everything. And you weren't going to use that bed anymore. And you weren't going to use certain furniture anymore. So I was, I wanted to leave that. I wanted to seal that room off until I was ready. And daddy I was out of town, I think for a Spartan race or something. I feel bad that you're telling this story. I know, but he knows it. I had come home and he had painted the room. And it it took everything out. Okay. It wasn't that bad of painting. No, but I was, like, I had traumatized. A, I had a teal accent wall and then light gray on the other three walls. But the ceiling, which if you know me, I love raw wood. I don't, like, if you don't have to paint it, don't paint it. Or just, like, stain it a different color. Um, but it was the raw wood original from the 60s mm-hmm. ceiling. But it was, it gave it some character in the um, sometimes grief wants you to stay in the past. It can be more comforting to be in the past. But dwelling in the past distracts you from the present. And that was something mm-hmm. we kind of just talked about, that like you're not enjoying the moment because you're stuck in the past. We often romanticize the past as a way to escape our problems in the present. If I'd married my high school sweetheart, I'd be happy. If I dropped out of college, if I hadn't dropped out of college, I'd have the job I love. If I didn't move, I would still have a good life. These are all things that people that are stuck in the past, dwell on the past, think. Like they think if they would have made one decision in the past, their whole future would be different. 
which I don't complete. I don't agree with that because I think our days are already planned out. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I think that even though it's difficult, some of the things that have happened in the past are what makes us who we are today, mm-hmm. and that was all a plan. So we want to think that uh, life would be better if we could change the past, but we don't know that even if we had made completely decision different decision, would we still end up where we are? Yeah, and I think about that a lot. So like when I'm overthinking and overanalyzing my what ifs um, and kind of looking back at the past, I do think about that. But if, like I kind of pull myself out like, but if that was, like if I did wish that, you know like those movies where mm-hmm. they make a wish and then it comes true mm-hmm. and then they want their own life back? Mm-hmm. that's what I kind of think of is like okay but then it probably would have been like this and then like this most of the time a lot of people when Woody and I were first dating they're like but you're so young why would you want to get married now I'm like because I found my person and I want to spend the rest of my life with him so why wasting time yeah like why would I why am I going to waste time like why would I break up with him just to date other people so I have more experience. Like, no, I found my person. One and done. Like, thank you, goodbye. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I often look at those people, and when they're like, you're 22, and you already are going to know you're going to marry this guy. And I would, I would just, like, think of their life of, I bet you they were told that same thing and took the opposite decision. Or they and regret so, the decision that they made. Yeah, and they all have said, man, I wish I could find love that early on after getting to know me and Mm -hmm. hearing stories. So you will miss out on the joy of today if you stay stuck in the past. You can't control or change it, so let it go. Let it go. Let it go. So ways you can do that is shift your thinking. Make future goals. Focus on the lessons you've learned, which I always, always say. Make peace with your past. Forgive where forgiveness is needed and let go. Let your past fuel your future. That's I like good. that. I like that. Yes. <laughs> that was a perfect ending to chapter seven. And chapter eight. Chapter eight. They don't make the same mistakes. <laughs> the only real mistake is the one from which nothing is learned. Everyone repeats mistakes. Sometimes that just sometimes that's just part of being human. Now I'm going to read the checklist. I love when you read checklists. I always look forward to them. You often find yourself stuck at the same point when you're trying to reach a goal. When you encounter an obstacle, you don't invest much time looking for new ways to overcome it. You find it hard to give up your bad habits because you keep falling back on your old ways. Yeah. I think that's just part of life. I think we do, 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 and then we, okay, so like working out or eating right. Yeah. You do it, do it, it's do it, then Christmas comes, and you eat, 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 and then New Year's comes, and you eat, and you're mm-hmm. lazy, and you're tired, and you're held up next week. Mm-hmm. And then the whole month of January, 97 days of January, you are, have not <laughs> given it 100%, and guess what? Summer's around the corner. Okay. <laughs> so Sorry, I digress. That was not expecting it. You don't invest much time in analyzing why your attempts to reach your goals are unsuccessful. You get mad at yourself because you can't get rid of some of your bad habits. 
You sometimes say things like, I'll never do it again, only to find yourself doing that same thing over and over again. Sometimes it feels like it takes too much effort to learn new ways to do things. Um, you often get frustrated by your lack of self-discipline. Your motivation to do things differently disappears as soon as you begin to feel uncomfortable or upset. You know what, I, because we have a soundboard, I really wish I used this for your 97 days of January. I can do that this whole time. (laughs) Okay, so mistakes are often, I feel like if you tend to hide your mistakes, how will you learn from them and stop repeating them? Being stubborn can also make you a repeater. Being a stubborn person will make you a repeater. Like you'll do it over and over again because you're stubborn. Someone might stay at the same job they hate for 10 years because they have put so much time in. But the only thing worse than investing 10 years into something that is unhealthy and unproductive is investing 10 years in one day. A person might enter into one bad relationship after another. So, like, we I've known people throughout my life that have gone from one bad relationship to the next, and it just seems like it happens over and over again. And I've told you this before. I might have said it on a podcast before, um, that when you don't deal with your issues, you take the baggage from the last relationship to the next. I think that unless you figure out why or what the issues are, you're just going to keep, you know, um, sometimes avoiding mistakes and doing something different makes people uncomfortable. So they just keep doing the same. Repeating the same mistakes leads to many problems. You won't reach your goals. The problem won't get solved. You'll think differently about yourself. You're less likely to succeed yeah i was just gonna say you probably aren't honoring yourself because you're stubborn you may not try as hard and it may frustrate others we always have that person that would be frustrated because i'd be like i've told you 17 million times and you keep doing it and you keep doing it (laughs) so to avoid making the same mistakes come up with alternatives do things differently make a solid plan study the mistake Apply the knowledge the next time. So some of these lifestyle changes, you know, the new social circle. circle. So if you're hanging around people and you're meeting the same person over and over, it's time for a new group. If you're hanging around people that do bad, make bad choices or lead you to make bad choices, Mm -hmm. you should change your social. Like you are who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Of course, make yourself. To create a new habit, a healthy habit, you need to avoid the things like don't buy the cookies. Don't You've go. always said this, like when people are like, but I can't help it. You say, you know what aisle it is at the store. Avoid the aisle. Don't go down it. Just don't. Don't tempt yourself. I always say I don't have any self-control, but then if you look at my are life, everything's me? in, I know. But I don't buy it. I don't bring it home because if I do, I eat the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, a girl that I work out with said her husband likes Oreo cookies. She, <gasps> yeah. My favorite, but I can't help it. So he bought Oreo cookies, and she's like, why are you eating? And he's like, just don't eat them. And she's like, or just eat one. And she's like, but you can't eat one. I go, no, you eat the whole sleeve. Yes. Yes. Or you develop a soy allergy, and then you can't have them at all. Uh, be on the lookout for the old repeating patterns. So the first time you do it, catch yourself. But don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. Just pivot. 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 
find a way to hold yourself accountable accountable and this is really really big especially in recovery if you're giving up sweets or food if you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to exercise or you're trying to stop drinking or you're trying to stop doing drugs you have to have an accountability partner mm-hmm. you have to yes and the people of loser in me would say i'll be yours So you have to have accountability partners, um, someone that you can rely on, someone that's going to call you out when they see you going down it. Because sometimes you don't, sometimes you have blinders on, you don't see that you're getting ready to repeat those patterns. But also, when you do do that, and yes, I, this is what do. I hate, when someone makes me their accountability coach for losing weight, it makes me extremely comfortable because I know that there these certain people that do ask their personality if I do say something it I will regret it because they will have chopped my head off so I well they need to accept don't put me down for that please thank you yeah no not part of my business <laughs> so accounting for a gym friend somebody that will go to the gym with you because when I somebody says I'm gonna be there at nine then it's like I have to go which is a people pleaser thing, but also it's yeah, motivating. And even sometimes if I, I work out with two other girls, and even if sometimes if one of us, I'm sure they do it too, but if we show up and the other one's done and leaving or last minute can't come, you're sitting in the gym on the bike or on the treadmill and you're like, you know, because you really need, it's more fun when there's friends. Yeah, and the time goes by quicker. Um, also, when you're trying to eat healthy, one of the things that our gym owner does is she'll say post or send me pictures of your food. Mm. So it's like you, it, that's a way to be held accountable because you're not going to put food in there that she's not going to approve of. Mm-hmm. And it forces you to make healthy food? Uh-huh. Because you want to send that picture. Do, and then your yeah. friends are sending those pictures. So you're like, oh, that looks good. Okay, I'm going to make this. Yeah. You know, practice self-discipline. My self-discipline is don't have it in my house. Because I have to. Although I would say, just in case people like overthink what you just said, it has nothing to do with alcohol. You have control over that, but it's food for you. Food, what? sweets, like for you. For mine is sugar. Yeah, it's definitely candy. sugar. So don't go to the places that you can't control yourself. Fast food, a bar, drinking with friends. Um, stay out of malls or Target if you're trying to control your spending. Because we all know Target. Target. Target has those home goods. You go into Target for one thing, like, oh my gosh, I need cotton balls, and you have a basket full. It's like, and it's not just me. They make no, videos it's, about it's, it now. It's an actual thing. So keep your goals in mind every day. So learning from mistakes will make you stronger. When you view mistakes not as something negative, but instead as an opportunity to improve yourself, you will be able to devote energy into not repeating them. Be open and try something new. Don't make excuses. Think before you act. Don't put yourself in situations you will likely fail. That chapter, that's a big chapter. It's very um, eye-opening for things that you might not have known that you struggle with. I do have to say, when I was looking at Amazon to make the links for our for this book on our story and on our website, every single bad review is talking about chapter eight. And now I can mm. like, okay. I know so about why. the repetitive part. People to be told that they need to change. Mm-hmm. They're uncomfortable with change. How many times have I told you when, when a company changes its colors or it's 
product or the way they package something. People when, lose when you're it. told to stay in your house for 14 days. Only two to years then later, become ten months and then two people years. don't like change. It makes them very nervous, mm-hmm. and and that's why that chapter is like um, all encompassing. You know. Yeah, I do remember part about the fear. Chapter six, and it was a good one. And I thought as I was reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, if we would have known before all of this, we would have been better prepared. I mean, we can now take what we've learned from this book and what people you guys are listening to now, understanding what this this book is about and what we've been through the last two years. Okay, so part of the chapter, it says... Most of the research shows that we are pretty bad at accurately calculating risk, which goes into like paying attention way too much about fear. And one of the points was, we can be influenced by the media and how we perceive risk. If you are constantly exposed to news stories about a rare disease, you're more likely to think your chances of contracting the disease are higher. Even if all the news stories are only reporting an isolated incident. Similarly, stories about natural diseases or tragic events can cause you to feel you are at a greater risk of catastrophe than you actually are. Okay, and the media? They do everything through fear because they know... Well, that's what gets them the numbers. So media is now entertainment. Mm -hmm. And they count on that. So if you really pay attention in life, or uh, not not in life, if you really pay attention to TV. Or your surroundings. With the news and with TV entertainment. Mm -hmm. Is they're highly manipulating society as a whole. If someone got shot down the street, there will be three more stories about how the same type of scenario happened. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you think, oh my gosh, people are getting shot everywhere. Yeah. If there's a robbery, all of a sudden the next three stories are about the same type of robbery. Mm -hmm. One of them might be from a while ago or not even your area, whatever it is. These things could have been happening the whole time anyway. Yeah. It's they, they zero in on them and only talk about that. And it's all entertainment. It's the way that they try to manipulate the viewers. Just like if there's one cop show on, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's four cop shows. Yeah. You're like, do we need another cop? If there's a hospital show up when ER was on, then all the sudden there was four or five other hospital shows. Yeah. And if you watch through history of entertainment, that's how it works. And if you really pay attention to when you're watching the news, and they always say, psychologists say, do not watch the news before bed. But, or just don't watch the news like I do. Or yeah. understand that it's entertainment and what they're doing. Sure. If you understand what they're doing, even when you understand what they're doing, sometimes it creeps in a little bit. But, but you also need to like listen to trigger words, which I just, the, the point of that was focus on your surroundings and anything that's negative, try to remove it from your life yes. until you can control these fears, these emotions, these thoughts, these behaviors, because it most likely is happening or causing you to react Mm -hmm. around you. 
So for myself, like whenever I say I don't listen to the or I don't watch the news or don't listen to the news, I always get the reaction, "Well, how do you know what's going on in the world?" Well, just recently in the last I don't know seventy five years, we were learning about things happening around the world. Before that, we all didn't know what was going on. You had to like report like well, it, it wasn't code. in yeah, it wasn't live. Yeah. You would find out later on that things happened. Yeah, and I just think we... And there wasn't all easy... these avenues. Like, there was a newspaper. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's everywhere now. We can yeah. get the news anywhere at any time. And it's all entertainment. It's not... And it's all negative. If you recognize the negativity in the media, that's, like, the first step for me. Because my sister-in-law was like, I don't watch the news because it's too negative and... It's bad for, like, my mental health. And I always thought the same thing. Like, how do you know what's going on in the world? When I cut that out, I felt more at peace. I wasn't stressed out the second that I woke up because the news was on and I'm hearing it in the background. It and does driving get in away. there. Yeah. So now I can hear it in the background getting, like, when I'm up now mm-hmm. and I can recognize that this stupid negativity that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with what they're actually talking about. No. Like, you just have to, like, learn. Yeah. When you when you get those triggers, I did. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Very <laughs> nice. She's enjoying the microphone. I know. I'm going to customize some of the sound thingies. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what they're called. But Anyways. Well, we've come to the Yes, so this was part two, chapters five to eight. Next week is chapter is part three, which, which is, is the, the rest end. of the chapters. You know, I don't need to specify it's thirteen chapters because it's thirteen things. <laughs> it's in the title. Um. So again, if you guys haven't re- read the book or don't have it or haven't listened to it yet, go and use our link on our stories or on our website to support the podcast. The link does help with investing in the podcast um so we do appreciate that if you guys are listening to us the, for the very first time thank you guys so much for listening all the way through this is definitely a long podcast but you guys would love it and there's so much more so many more topics that we're going to talk about and uh the future we're gonna talk next week about the next book so that you're ahead of schedule and can get that if you want to join February's book club. Um, it will definitely be shorter episodes. Um, so stay tuned next week. And um, if you guys aren't following us yet, go to Instagram and TikTok and Spotify. We're at Sutherland Girls. Go ahead and um, hit that follow button on Spotify if you haven't already, because that will alert you when a new episode is live to listen to. So, um, thank you guys so much for supporting us. Um, we would love feedback. So DM us, text us if you know our numbers. I don't know. Respond back to my questions on stories. I got a couple, but, um, we listened to you guys that said that the sound is not the best. So we upgrade and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Other than that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Oh. 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 Now I hear myself. I hear you. Do you hear me? I hear you. Does everyone hear me? Yes. Hello? Testies? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so.
Oh my gosh, I never lost the word. Britt, that's you. That's you, Shannon. This is the out speaker. Make sure we turn my mic all the way up, please. I'm turning. Wait. I can't hear myself anymore. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. Maybe you're just deaf. Okay. What are these supposed to do? I'm not quite sure. Okay, listen. This is going to be so fun. I turned the volume on air. What about All the, the way up? The volume. What about the volume for me? I don't see anything moving. This is, this is. Your, the, our volumes for the mic? No. These are the volumes for our ears. Oh. And this says on air. What's that white one all the way at the end? This one is this. Oh, okay. And then this, these are all off. You hear that? Yeah. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. But I think you need to be like really close to the mic That's when why you're I'm, talking. That's why I'm moving it because it was at awkward. No, I think angle. you need to be closer. Closer than this? Well, it's not ASMR. Well, then I will whisper it. No, that's not. ASMR. Okay. What you're doing is I ASMR. thought that was when people eat. No, it's not. <laughs> I need a drink out of my new cup. Hold on. <laughs> that's ASMR. <laughs> Hold on. It's coconut butter. He did it for me, he'll do it for you. Okay, so we're just going to go ahead and go for it. Okay, let's start with... Um, okay. No, where is it? <laughs> I already played it. I didn't I'm not deleting all that gold that we just recorded before this. No, I was... It was from the outro bloopers. Mm-hmm. That, all my voice is going out. This is like total a ASMR. Does that make sense? Wait, I didn't answer my single question. <laughs> You were staring right at me. I know, but I was going to say 